It's time for Lacrosse Classified. Evans over the shoulder! Clip it for Emmy! What a goal! Your go-to source for all things NLL and box lacrosse. Little Murray scores! Now, settle down and listen up. It's time for Lax Class. going on lacrosse fans welcome back to lacrosse classified lax class is now in session ep 273 and you're in the place to be right here on the lacrosse classified podcast jake elliott santino farah with you and santino we got uh we got the wla draft it'll already have been completed by the time that this podcast comes out but our regular recording time of tuesday afternoon did not work so we're doing it a day early here on monday just want to let the classmates know full disclosure here as always on the pod but uh, it is monday so that means the weekend has just uh, come and gone and uh, was an action-packed one full of lacrosse sports galore on and uh but I know your Monday didn't start out particularly well. It's not finishing off particularly well. Is uh, you had a little snafu in the homestead. Hot water tank just went on you. Welcome yeah, to adulthood. Home. Welcome to adulthood. <laughs> uh, yeah, happy to be back here. Uh, my hot water tank uh, died. Ask me anything. Uh, I came home from work. Uh, like took my headphones out as I opened the door, and I was like it sounds like there's water. Like, where's that coming from? And of course, like all the alarm bells in my head are going off. Like, Oh shit, there's water somewhere. Mm. I like kind of like silently creeping around. And then I hear in the closet, sounds like it's coming from here. And then I open up and to be clear, I don't know anything. Like I'm the worst handyman in the world. So I look at it and I see water dripping out the side and water, like coming up from the bottom. Like, well, shit. Like, (laughs) Mondays, am I right? (laughs) So, uh, but you got yeah. it turned off. You got a plumber on the way. And, yeah, uh, coming later tonight. So yeah, I mean, you talked. You said uh, the regular recording time uh, didn't work. Uh, this adjusted recording time also almost didn't work. <laughs> yes. But uh, I got some time to kill now until the plumber gets here. So I just texted you. I was like, "Do you want to record right now?" <laughs> yeah. And I'm always down. And uh, our guest this week uh, adjusted his schedule as well, thankfully. And one uh, forward for the Saskatchewan Rush, Big Mike Triolo, will join us. Tree never been on the pod. I've watched uh, Mike play lacrosse for a number of years, doing President's Cups and St. Albert Miners and uh, a little bit of time in the dub. But uh, he's found a home in Saskatchewan, had the game winner on Saturday night, and we're going to talk to Mike Triolo about it all. And, of course, Saskatchewan coming our way, Tino, this weekend as a Saskatchewan Rush. We'll pay a visit to Vancouver. So we'll talk about all that in quarter number two with Mike Triolo. Lax class lock of the week. It's been anything but a lock of the week. And, Tino, I was a little skeptical on uh, on your selections there last week and uh, did not start off well. As uh, How about the upset from Las Vegas over Albany? We're going to talk about that, of course. But point being, uh, we will swing again here and uh, entertain the idea of bringing on an actual professional to help us out here for the Lax Class Lock of the Week in quarter number three. Who you got week 11 uh, locked and loaded in quarter number four. Rycor Standout Players of the Week. We got uh, loading lacrosse. Look at this. Look at that moment of the week. 
coming up in quarter number one as well. And, of course, who we had in the week that was, uh, Dow gave me a little text, and he was into you pretty good about your picks last week, you know. I just got to let you know. He was uh, he always gives me, like, a weekly text after the weekend, and, and most of the time it has to do with you and, and uh, <laughs> your your decision-making in, in making your lacrosse picks. Any That's, response uh, for, for Dalek? You can give him a pylons update, too, if you want. Well, uh, I actually didn't go. But we talked last week about the 11.30 p.m. Uh, pylon right. game time. Uh, didn't go. Oh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I got a text from my dad on the Friday cause my dad actually left this past weekend for Thailand oh. for, uh, for about a month. So okay. he's like, uh, not going to see you for a month. Let's go get some, let's go get some dinner. So I uh, did a big family dinner out there at the black sheep in Maple Ridge. So, but nice. the pylons got the job done okay. last game without, yeah. before, uh, yeah, without me, tough look for me, but we roll into the postseason now. That was the last regular season game and any words for Dowick? Um, I'm happy that I'm on your mind so much, I guess. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love it. Uh, all right. Well, I'm trying to think, man, uh, what, did I do this weekend? I think I just watched a, a buttload of lacrosse. Oh, actually, I took my daughter up to Cypress Mountain for a little tubing with with her friends on Saturday morning, which uh, was a lot of fun for them. I didn't I didn't get on the tube and go down the hill. You know, I just kind of supervised the whole thing. But then uh, settled right in for a, a monster night of lacrosse action, which. We will break down post-haste here on the podcast. Thanks for joining us. It began Friday night. Friday was a heck of a night where two out of the three games went to overtime. The potential for a third overtime was right there as well in the third game. But both you and I were kind of confused on what we were going to see in this game between Halifax and Philadelphia. And... I think we saw, we almost, it's almost like we saw the tale of both teams, good and bad, both in this game for both Halifax and Philadelphia. Like, I think we saw good Halifax and we saw maybe not so good Halifax and we saw bad Philadelphia and then we saw good Philadelphia and then we saw bad Philadelphia again. Weird game. I mean, weird game 15 14. Thunderbirds win it as uh, Ryan Banesh continues to score goals. Yeah, I mean, super weird game. I think that's the the perfect description of it. I was kind of thinking afterwards, I think in in the weirdest way ever, I think Philly plays better when they're losing. Like when Philly is down, that for whatever reason, that seems to be almost like a comfortable position for them where where they know – how to turn it on, when to turn it on to get them right back in the mix. And then, I mean, even going back to last season, it seems like Philly, they're just the the kings of one goal games, whether they're on the winning side of it or the losing side of it. So uh, I don't know if that's something you can, you can turn into a bet at some point throughout the year, but regardless, it's also kind of funny to say, that Mitch Jones seemed a little bit snake bitten. I mean, he still put up like eight points, mm-hmm. but only was, he was only able to find the back of the net once. Like that seems a little bit out of character for, for Jonesy. But I, I mean, I think you're kind of right on. We saw the best and the worst of, of both of these teams here. And that's sort of been the concern with Halifax is, you know, oftentimes they start play yeah they start so well and then they they kind of take their foot off the gas a little bit and i think that's where everybody's concern comes from with this team and we saw it like shout out to jammer i mean going into the fountain of youth again to Mm -hmm. to be able to 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 bury it and and find the game winner for halifax but that easily could have gone the other way there were momentum swings constantly going back and forth yeah Tarafenko with a big one. He continues to get better and better and better. 16 loose balls for him. Jake Weathers, 
creeping into the MVP conversation. Zach Higgins facing way too many shots and being forced to make too many saves in this game again as he hit the 50 mark for the Wings. But over time, you just never know what can happen. And this time it's Cody Jamison as he wins it for the Thunderbirds. And uh, 29 goals put up in that game as well. As again, you just never really know what you're going to see in the National Lacrosse League. We move to the Metro Atlanta area. I don't know how many times I heard that during uh, <laughs> Saturday night, you know. But uh, anyways, uh, Georgia hosting Vancouver. You'll recall Vancouver with a convincing win on their home floor over the Swarm back earlier in the season. And it looked like Georgia was going to kind of run away with this game in the second quarter. That second quarter. I mean, although Vancouver put up four, they allowed six in that second quarter. That's been an issue. They've battled back a number of times in this game, including a big fourth quarter to tie this thing and get to overtime. And man, Andrew Q with literally and virtually no time left on the shot clock. I, it's so tough, Tino, because, you know, they, they get a solid performance at Aaron Bolt, like good enough to get you the win. The defense was pretty solid. The O was, you know, good at times, but they were getting production and, and transition, Kirkness and Owen Grant and rebounding. But this, this shot clock, this buzzer beater here from Q and overtime, and you think, like, this one goes against Vancouver. I thought it easily could have been overturned. It looked like a zero up on the shot clock to me before the ball had entered the goal. Gardonio disagreed, and, you know, he's he's an official and a long-tenured one in this league for a reason. But you think about that, and then you go back to Colorado, and you think about that game that got away from them, especially when it looked like Keegan Ball had won the game in overtime, only to have that one called back. And those two wins right there, like if those go the other direction, this is a much different looking outcome and season and forecast here for Vancouver in 2024. But I guess at the end of the day, that's the way the ball bounces and you are what your record says you are. Yeah, I mean, if those two overtimes go in in the other direction, Vancouver is a 4-4 four and four team. I mean, obviously, you don't know what the other games result in at that point. But just going with this current reality, they're a 4-4 four, a four and four team and then they're in the eighth or seventh playoff spot. Can I can I talk about the reviews for a second here? Yes, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be just be like, careful because yeah, I'm gonna you be know. careful and and I want to be clear here because I heard uh, Donville talking about this on the latest back of the bird as well, and and I'm kind of echoing his thoughts a little bit. I am not criticizing the officials when I'm talking about this here. I'm criticizing the review system that that they have to follow. Uh, when LeBranch was on the podcast the uh, heading into week one uh, that was the episode that Brad was on. Cause I was getting windows replaced or whatever it was. I wasn't here. <laughs> I um, he was t- like you, I think it was you that asked him about the review process. And, yeah. and he mentioned that no time limit on it, no time limit on it, but also there's a list of things that they have to check for on every review. Nine criteria. There, uh, nine. Okay. I think that's a problem. I think for a coach, to review something. And I know this was a little bit of a different circumstance because it's an overtime goal. And generally with like under two minutes in the, in the game, they have to review all of them anyways. But if a coach is going to be, is going to request a review, they should have to request something specific rather than going down the entire list. So for example, if it's a crease violation, 
You throw your your flag. You say, I want to review this for the crease violation. Now that's all the ref is looking for. The issue with that, though, and we've talked about this before, is the fact that the reviewing capabilities differ from arena to arena, which is a huge issue. The the review in Georgia for the Vancouver game, it's insane to me. And again, not this is not on the officials. This is just what what they have to deal with. It's insane to me that they're just looking at at camera angles from the broadcast and hoping that in a camera angle there's a glimpse of the shot clock in the arena as opposed to being able to have a, a game Sink clock it. and a shot clock yeah. time stamped on the replay that they're watching. That's insane to me that they because if it's not in the angle, then well, it's inconclusive, and that's when we run into these four-minute-long reviews. And it's inconsistent across the league, right? Some, and not only not only the camera angles, but the capabilities of the production team to get those angles sync up, stop it on one angle, flip to a different angle, and then continue the replay. Like some buildings are able to dissect it frame by frame; others can't seem to hit the pause button at the right time. So I get it, man. It is a total work in progress. The referees are doing the best job that they can. I think the league is doing the best job that they can for what they have to work with. But we do need to get to a place where, you know, I thought Jenner was on to something. Like, we're not going to VAR here in the National Cross League. There's that. It's a very expensive endeavor to have that kind of technology. But I do think having an independent Command Central reviewing all these challenges would be a beneficial thing. And I don't know the logistics and how it all works, but I think having an independent arbitrator essentially making these calls, whether it's an ex-official, whatever, I think is a pretty good idea and, and do it independently. How that works is beyond me and my pay grade, but uh, you're on to something there. It's just too inconsistent. And I guess I'll leave it on this. Like if you if you can't get there in three three minutes or whatever the time you want to put on, I know you want to get it right. But a part of getting it right is keeping the game moving. Lacrosse is so much about momentum and flow and entertainment and action. These long reviews, these long replays take away from all of that and they take away from the fan experience as well, who are sitting around waiting for a referee to make a decision who's got to look at something 20 different times to hopefully get it right and then sometimes come out and go, you know what, I couldn't see it conclusively. Let's let's play on here. Like, to me, you got to time cap it, and if you can't get it, you can't get it, and let's go on. Let's not forget there was a day when we didn't have any of this. All right, Georgia wins in overtime. Cue the hero as uh, one more game on Friday night. You'll remember Calgary with a bit of a special weekend here for them as they play back-to-back, but they play back-to-back at home, and you knew there was going to be a pretty big emphasis on game number one. But New York ride the tide. The tide is turning. The tide is ride. There is all kinds of tide hashtags you could throw out here, Tino. Bottom line is the Riptide are on a roll here as they beat Calgary in 11-10 the final here. Jeff Teat with a with a big game with nine points, nine on 11 here for the Riptide. 
But uh, old uh, Joshy Sanderson, shooter, not too happy after this one. No bright spots. Roughneck fans don't deserve to watch that shit. Our stick skills are brutal. I uh, I felt like I was watching Terry from back in the day after that press conference with Josh Sanderson, uh, who took a little page out of Kurt Malowski's book from last week. Yeah, it, I mean, it was from the media side of things. It was incredible to hear that because i mean that's what we were talking about after after the the kurt clips from a couple weeks ago is like give us more of this like this is incredible seeing some of this personality come out rather than just the cliches uh but from a calgary perspective uh, obviously incredibly disappointing this new york power play man is a problem four for five on the night calgary goes Calgary goes 50, uh, 50% as well. So like their power play was pretty good, but, but without this New York power play, like this is a completely different game and, and they're clicking at the right times. They're, they're one of the hottest teams in the league right now, which is crazy to say nobody would have, nobody probably would have ever considered muttering that sentence after, you know, or even heading into week in a one playoff and now spot right now. Yeah. Then they find themselves in a playoff spot, which is, which is unbelievable. So uh, yeah, I mean, like, I don't know what else to say about this Riptide team, man. Cam Dunkerley continues to shine. I think he made some some pretty unbelievable saves in some really key moments with with Calgary bearing down at the end of the game. And then the way it kind of finished as well was was I would say a perfect representation of how the game overall went for Calgary with them trying to get an offensive set going. They get their shots off, but when it ultimately mattered, when they needed just like one more shot it's kind of an errant pass that's that's out of the reach of Tyler Pace and and it's the game's done at that point. You can't chase the ball down in time. So I, I thought that last play was the perfect representation of that game as a whole for Calgary. Laddie's got his boys going and uh, Cam Dunkerley looking pretty good between the pipes as well. Stevie Keel back in his familiar number 28 after wearing uh, a random 16 in, in the seafoam. I don't know if that's going to be a thing or not, whether he's wearing 16 in seafoam and then 28 when he's back in the other uniform. But uh, a disappointing loss for Calgary and it didn't get any easier for them on Saturday night either as uh, the Toronto Rock were in town waiting, watching that game, I'm sure. Uh, which we will talk about here momentarily. Man, oh man, I don't know how many people were on Las Vegas winning this game against the Albany Firewolves, but that's exactly what happened in a low score. We found out that one Doug Jamison was not going to play in this game just prior to face off, and you thought, okay, well, maybe we're we're going to see some goals here in the Capital Region, but... Not the case, uh, Justin Getty, and in particular, Landon Kels, who just had an, uh, a fantastic game. It was 9-6 Desert Dogs, and this is my nine game, Tino, along with a lot of other people in, in who he got, and the Desert Dogs proved everybody wrong. You thought Albany coming off that loss would respond here, but six goals against Vegas who go on the road and win by three, you also had Albany minus two and a half on the parlay here, Tino. Yep. Not ideal. Uh, no, but I mean, like you talk, you talk about um, Albany coming out with a little bit of fire after the bye week and, and the loss before that. And then, I mean, I guess we also probably should have expected a little bit more fire from, from Vegas as well, considering they got a little bit embarrassed in their, I mean, not a little bit, they got completely <laughs> yes. embarrassed in their, in their home arena a week prior. This one was 
just a goaltending showdown to me seeing like i'm such a big justin getty fan i've talked about him so much in the junior ranks um i mean speaking about the wla draft like he got drafted last year and and we had an opportunity to talk uh yeah. talk to him one-on-one I- i'm really impressed by like i would put him up there in in the upper echelon of goalies in terms of his ability to move the ball on the outlet really quickly yeah. and like i watched him do it so much with nanaimo in, uh, in junior a and that's using the the woody and he's still so quick and so smooth with it so you can imagine how much faster it's going to be when he's using the spoon there as well i thought i mean despite the loss he had a really strong game. Everybody always talks about like 10 or less goals. You, you got a pretty strong performance from a goaltender. We saw that from both of them, both Landon Kells and Justin Getty. In terms of Albany, the goals just, I mean, it's hard to even say they dried up because really they only had three in the first half and then three in the second half as well. So I wouldn't even really say that, you know, the 13 they were... shots on goal for one Alex Simmons, zero goals. How often is that? I mean, that hasn't happened at all this season, and I don't Maybe really think that's going to happen again. But, but yeah, like he's dried up a little bit. As has, and listen, like I'll say this about the Firewolves: like nobody expected them to have the start to the season that they had. And credit to them, you can't take those wins back from the Firewolves. They jumped out to a six and zero start. They've lost the last couple, and I don't know. Like I didn't think they were as good as a six and zero team, and I don't think they're as bad as as a scoring six against Vegas team either. I think they're somewhere in the middle and it was bound to kind of find its way back there at some point. And with a young club like this, as is Vegas, you're going to have a lot of ups and you're going to have a lot of downs and and you're going to have a lot of in between there as well. And and I think that was the case here for the firewalls who will, he'll, but they'll be fine. Like they're going to win more games this season. No question about it as will Vegas. And for me, Jack Hanna, the, the point leader here for the Desert Dogs, you know, 11 shots on goal. This is the Jack Hanna that we need to see here in Las Vegas. Regardless of whether the shot is dropping early in the contest or not, he needs to just keep firing away here. And that's what he did in this one. And and late in the game, they started to sink. And to me, Landon Kells was just the star of this game. Just rock. So, by the way, Justin Getty. Look pretty good in a Warriors uniform, too. I'm just going to put that out there. Yep, uh, very much agree. And just to kind of piggyback on the Jack Hanna uh, co- uh, comment that you said there as well, with him kind of needing to be the guy, I mean, especially with Marshall King still out of the lineup, like Vegas is kind of running out of guys that can be the guy. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of that now falls on on the shoulders of Jack Hanna. Of course, you have Casey Jackson out there on the other side and Rob Hellier and stuff like that. But y- you want someone like Jack Hanna to be your your guy you know he's in that good age range where he's still got some room to develop but he's still got a ton of talent under him as well and and maybe this can be that breakout game or i mean he's had a string of games now in a row where where he's had some pretty solid performances but but vegas needs him to be their guy if vegas is going to have any kind of success the alpha the somebody texted me and i'm probably going to screw this i-90 rivalry here (laughs) I think it's the I-90. Uh, don't quote me on that, but Buffalo and Rochester hook it up once again. And, man, uh, entertaining lacrosse game here. Another 15-14 shootout from Banditland, which was rocking once again. I know uh, our boy Joshy Mills and, and his dad were at that game. I think they're back east touring a couple of universities and potential uh, landing spots for Josh. As far as that goes, RIT might be on the list. Uh, Tino, stay tuned on that. Uh, speaking of... 
BC boys doing a little damage down the NCAA. Not to get off oh. track here, but uh, how about it from Mousy Jr. Cody Miloski with absolute filth. Uh, Denver over Hopkins on the weekend, and lots of uh, different sources picking up that highlight reel goal. Yeah, he. I swear. Cody has this patented celebration where there's just so much passion coming out of it. He's got one hand on the bottom of his stick, the other hand's like at his hip, and it's just he's like leaning back, the double fist bump, like the you can almost nickel, hear they call it. That, you know, the pumper. Oh, and I I watched him do it so much last year on the on the Coquitlam playoff run and towards the Minto and stuff. It's impossible for me to see that and not immediately be amped up. And it, I, I just felt like I was, I felt like I was in Poirier watching that goal. Yeah, I just, my comment was get, get used to it. You're going to see that a bunch of times in a Denver Pioneer uniform for uh, young Cody Miloski. Back to Buffalo here. And I saw or heard some comments coming out of this game that, you know, there is a bit of a come to Jesus moment here for the Bandits, although they, they got the win here over Rochester. I think some vets kind of stood up at the end of this game and said, like, enough's enough here, boys. Yeah, we got the win, but we are not playing Buffalo Bandit lacrosse, and we scraped this one out. We got lucky, and if we want to defend our title here, we need to find another level to our game, which is a little bit scary here, but Rochester were full full marks and full game in this, in this contest here. Ryan Smith with a good one with an 11-pointer, but not enough Buffalo over Rochester here. We're on a bit of a slide now, 15-14. I think if when everybody goes down the list, regardless of what sport, and and you look down the list of the greatest teams of all time, like what a championship-caliber teams, I think when you go down their season, whether it be playoffs or regular season, the common theme you're going to see is there's some games where by the end of it, the team kind of walks away and goes like, like didn't really deserve that one. But, but like we found a way to get it done, like not our best effort, but the good teams figure it out. I think this was one of those team, one of those games for Buffalo where, I mean, like you said, they, they have this meeting and I think they're all probably under the same agreement here that probably not the the cleanest game they've played and, and to, for that matter this season hasn't been the, the cleanest uh caliber games that they've ever played but to this point they still find themselves in fourth in the league in the overall standings uh they're in a playoff spot they've found a way to to steal some of these victories and Maybe that meeting, maybe this game is that wake up call they needed where they're able to go in, not play their best, still steal a victory and then have it be this wake up call and 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 figure it back out again. And don't forget, this is a team that is still dealing with some injuries on on the D end as well. But uh, yeah, we'll we'll see. They, they got they got the points. That's the big thing here. As you were talking there, Tino, I just realized we forgot our, and you know, I'm not going to blame you because you don't even know what our, our moment of the week is. So I can't really pin that one on you, but uh, let's spin it back to Georgia. Cause I just remembered that game was the game that featured our loading lacrosse. Look at this. Look at that moment of the week. Looks like they're doing a little reverse. You might see in football and here comes Bazin. He's got some speed scratch with the D. Oh, Oh, what are you going to do? He's shooting the roof, Daddy! Oh, look at that! Look at this, look at that! At five on the shot clock, better hurry. Tries to spin. Can't get any help. Trying to bounce one through traffic. Fresh shot clock and through! 
Short-handed goal! What an incredible individual athletic effort. Adam Charlambides. Goodness gracious, son. What a move. What's it going to do? Uh, there you go, right there. Adam Charlambides. So apparently Mooneyham might be Charlambides' dad. I don't. He called him son on the call there, Tino. I don't know. Uh, what, goodness gracious, son. Uh, <laughs> Right there. But how about it here from Charlotte Beatties, who was, I don't know, what was he, Tina? One on four, shot clock running down, looked like nothing was happening, plucked the ball out from the side of the crease in, in a bunch of sticks, managed to maintain his balance, falling, wraparound, skyhook dunk as Dobson gambled a little bit, and Adam Charlotte Beatties tucks it in to the empty net for our loading. Look at this. Look at that. Moment of the week. Loadinglax.com is where you want to go. I don't know if they got our shirts up there yet. No, you know, I could probably have a quick peek. Probably not. And uh, But check them out on Instagram. Loading Lacrosse is they're going to be uh, collabing all season long here with uh, the Loading Lacrosse. Look at this. Look at that moment of the week. What would you think of that Charlotte Beatty's tally? Yeah, I mean, well, first of all, uh, shout out to Loading for, for sending us that care package. I was rocking my loading hat all week. Uh, so pretty fired up about that. But in terms of the goal, man, nine times out of 10, when there's that amount of time left in the shot clock, guys are kicking it to the corner, you know, like leaving it, starting to get a change going, like whatever it may be. And then you also count in the fact that there's four defenders there and a goalie stepping out of his crease to, uh, to try to stop the play. Essentially, that's one of those efforts. And one of those goals that I bet Kurt is so fired up for when there's, Almost no time remaining to be able to do anything. Uh, Adam Charlambidi still continues to dig for it, sees a scoring opportunity, sells himself out completely, and gets rewarded for it. Uh, that That's a goal that is going to make any coach happy, and especially in the circumstances that the Warriors are in where Kurt is looking for the effort and looking for the character. That's one that Kurt Malowski is probably going to be pretty happy with, too. Yeah. And I think if he saw the character and the effort uh, from the entire team down there in Georgia, just didn't go their way. But uh, we're not talking about Vancouver, Georgia anymore. Now we are going to talk about Saskatchewan hosting Panther City. Let's not forget here, Panther City coming off that monster performance down in Vegas. Saskatchewan, I believe, if I recall, Tino, were idle the week before. What happened with Saskatchewan there? Yeah, this sounds about right. I believe they had a bye week. Is that right? Yeah. They did. They were there waiting, and this was kind of your classic lacrosse game here. Like 2-2 in the first, 3-2 in the second, 3-3 in the third, 2-2 in the fourth here. Not not much between, you know, face-offs were even, special teams were even, right up and down the ledger here. This was a, a good kind of classic back-and-forth matchup here, and, and like I said, we're going to talk to our guests next quarter about this game and, and his role in it, but Mike Triolo with the over, or not the overtime winner, but the game-winning goal in this one. I mean, goaltenders were solid. Offense did their thing. Defense, like, this was just a good old-fashioned lacrosse game here. Yeah, a, uh, I mean, a character win for Sask. And I feel like I probably would have, I probably would have characterized it as that regardless of who won. If this is a Panther City victory, I'm saying the same thing, like a really gutsy effort yeah. when, you know, times are kind of dire and the exact same thing uh, for Saskatchewan. Such a cool story for Mike Triolo to get what was eventually the game winner scoring against his former team. Like, I can't wait to ask him about that uh, in a little bit here. But I mean, 
like you said, it, it's it's a very back and forth affair. Two goalies that are playing pretty well. I mean, it's been well documented, especially from from Cooper Perkins and, and Cody Jansen, how how well, regardless of of the results, how well Frank Chiliano's been playing the season. I thought this was another strong game from him. Uh, Nick Daymood, I think, is continuing to take strides after a bit of a shaky start to the season. I thought this was good from him. It was it was nice to see Patrick Dodds get it, get into the mix. I know mm-hmm. people have been hoping for a little bit more from him on the offensive side. It was good to see him find the back of the net a little bit here. Hopefully that can kind of get him rolling a little bit more. And, and maybe a win like this, like I said, a character win with Derek Keenan on the bench. Maybe this is something that kind of jumpstarts Sask a little bit here. Maybe they can find find a way to turn this into a run. Well, I was kind of wondering like how involved Derek would be on the bench for his first game back. And I think it kind of started out as a bit of a slow burn, but you know, it late in the game, one goal game, he was up and down the bench, talking to the offense, back to the defense, giving Frankie instructions. Like he was fully immersed and, and fully engaged back into the coaching role was Derek Keenan for, for that victory. And he just brings that aura around him. And I think it was probably a really calming uh, influence to have around not only on the bench but in the locker room and shoot around and all the rest of it just to kind of have the the big boss back in the mix like uh, the jammer effect we'll call it Tino and and I think there was certainly an effect to Derek Keenan being back with the rush on the bench so uh, big win for Saskatchewan who I mentioned they're coming to town to take on Vancouver which uh, we will chat about in quarter number four but still two more games to go here in what was a monster week number 10 in Calgary, playing their second game of the week. Remember, they lost to to New York by a goal and now had to take on the Toronto Rock. And if there was ever a game that was destined to be an under, this was it here with Nick Rose and Del Bianco going toe-to-toe, the reigning MVP and what might be the future MVP in Nick Rose, putting on a show here, 9-7, Toronto gets it done. Calgary, I don't know if the gas tank was an issue or whether it's this Toronto rock unit from top to bottom. But they are a very good lacrosse team. And I'll tell you, like having Schreiber back is obviously a game changer. But I could not take my eyes off of this Tyler Hendricks, who wears number 11, lefty O, had a couple of goals. But just the athleticism. And the size of this guy, like, it's so tantalizing to see a guy of that stature be able to move and have the hands and the finish. I didn't know a whole lot about this Tyler Hendricks, but the more I watch him, the more I like him, Tino. I'll tell you that much. And uh, Toronto back in the win column here. Just the one loss now. 9-7 over the Roughnecks who go 0-2. And their season looking a little dicey after this weekend. Yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy to think, looking at the standings now, like Vancouver's bottom of the barrel, and then Calgary's just one spot uh, ahead of them. But certainly not what anybody really expected for Calgary to this point. Uh, yeah, I mean, Tyler Hendricks, two goals on five shots, like a really strong game. Dan Craig continues to be... Mm. He's been like one of the MVPs for Toronto this season. I, I, I think he's so incredible. I know, I know Pat's really high on him as well. Yeah, I don't know, man. Like, I, I look at this game, and again, everybody's talking about Calgary had a this is a way better effort compared to 24 hours previous to this. But I, I'm kind of left, and I mean, they actually actually had like uh, two or three just highlight real goals in this game as well. Bunch of Calgary posts did. too, Tina. Man, down the stretch, Jesse King. I think he had three posts on his own that 
you know, could it change the fate of this game if he buries, you know, one of those? I'm left wondering now after this weekend for Calgary, because I mean, I mean, we're heading into week 11 now. Is there some change for Calgary coming? And I mean, you, you never really want a reactionary trade necessarily, but in circumstances like this, where, I mean, everybody knows that Calgary is a better team than what their record shows. They have, what are I you mean, doing? Rating. What are you doing, Tino? If you want to shake up that roughnecks roster. <sighs> I'm not going to give you a great oh, question, but it's a great question. Yeah, yeah, you just did. I don't care. <laughs> you know what though? Like I, I almost wonder if in a circumstance like this, if you're not necessarily trying to fill a need as opposed to just get a shakeup. So I wonder if there's some trade that they can find where it is kind of just a one for one, where maybe you're finding someone that's, that's struggling a little bit on another team, but they're typically performing better. And, and, and you're looking for a similar thing from the Calgary end where you're just looking for a new environment for two different players. And maybe that's enough to shake something up here I because I, I think everybody in the world agrees that, that Calgary is better than what we're seeing right now with all the pieces that they have. It's just, I mean, maybe the, maybe the loss of Kurt Malowski has legitimately affected this team a little bit more than what, than what even Calgary was anticipating. Yeah. New voice and uh, new systems, and that takes time too, right? You know, all the same cast of characters there, but when you're playing a, a different style and a different system, I think there's an adjustment period there for sure. But the problem with this league, and especially here now with the unified standings, you cannot afford to have these adjustment periods. And, you know, I think Vancouver's going through that as well. We'll just see who kind of fights their way through it and out of it here. But Calgary has dug a hole, so is Vancouver, and there's a bunch of teams down there point is though Tino like you look at the standings and they're just a win or two away from being right back in the mix again so you you can't panic and blow it all up just because you're off to a slow start here one team that is not off to a slow start is the San Diego Seals here's another team Colorado same scenario that they find themselves in far from their best right now but San Diego Baptiste goes 20 for 27, which helps spur on a 61-shot performance here. And I I had a hard time actually believing this, but Austin Stotts, with his first sock trick in the National Lacrosse League, he could not miss. 10 points for Curtis Dixon, and this was a, a drubbing here by San Diego, who actually got down in this game 3-0 out of the shoot. Then went on a eagle run or something, and we're cruising by halftime, 5-0 in the third quarter, and it was over. Uh, so Colorado goes on the road and did not look particularly good. San Diego is looking stronger and stronger. O'Riglieri, every start that this kid gets, he gets better and better, which is scary. But the... The one thing I I loved coming out of this game was the story that Cooper Perkins told about being in, in San Diego for the World Championships with World Lacrosse and and meeting a a guy named Danny there who saw an ad on television about the World Games being in San Diego decided to venture out and and go check out a game on his own volition and accord and happened to to stumble into the Haudenosaunee in England in a game that Austin Stotts just happened to put up six in that game and was playing to the crowd and was feeling himself pretty good that day. And that turned this guy, Danny, into an instant lacrosse fan and an Austin Stotts fan. And Cooper said, well, hey, just so you know, Austin plays here locally in San Diego for the professional indoor team called the San Diego Seals. If you ever want to come to a game, hit me up. And 
Sure as shit, Danny did that. Came in with his Seals jersey to watch Austin Stats and the Seals. Brand new lacrosse fan. And Audie goes off for six in this guy's first National Lacrosse League game ever watching. Pretty cool. And now this guy is completely hooked. His grandkids are signed up for lacrosse. This is what we talk about when we talk about Grow the Game. That that legitimately gave me chills. I I didn't hear that story. That's that's unbelievable. And and it almost makes you kind of uh appreciate or or it kind of like reaffirms that while all of these athletes in the NLL and athletes that are playing lacrosse in general, while it may not be the the biggest and best known sport yet. And while these athletes may not be the best paid athletes yet, they still are professional athletes and they still are, I guess, sort of advertising regardless of where they are. So Austin Stotts in that in that world's game, you know, he's while there, he's representing the Haudenosaunee in a way. He's sort of also representing the Seals. Somebody ca- oh, come damn by. Radius. Yeah. And, and and that's how you gain a fan. It's like everybody talks about these, whether they're positive or negative interactions with celebrities or athletes or whoever it may be. And that has the ability to completely alter somebody's opinion on, yeah. on whether it's that team, the sport, the uh, so a movie that somebody's in, whatever. And, and something as simple as Austin stats, just performing to his best ability at, at the highest level and, and being as electric as he is and playing to the crowd was able to gain a fan and a whole family into yeah. the world of lacrosse. Yeah. Like that's, that's a crazy story. And like Ocello said, like if I'm out I'm buying that guy season's tickets for the rest of the year saying like, Hey, I scored six with you in the crowd. Uh, <laughs> you better show up next game as well. Speaking of showing up, Tino, it is time for our Rycor Standout Players of the Week who showed up in Week 10. Let's do it. I'm a hard-working man. I there it is, Tina, your favorite whistle and uh, country song. Brooks in the hard uh, welcome to the construction site. Rycor Construction is the sponsor of our Rycor Standout Players of the Week. Over 18 years of experience in the Lower Mainland, exterior, interior, res- reno- <laughs> renovations, kitchens, bathrooms, full homes, additions, flooring, finishing, backyard transformations. They do it all, and they make it stand out when they do it. Lots of jobs on the go, but always time to talk to potential clients as well. Give their website a look up here, www.rycorconstruction.ca, and give them a follow on social media as well, at Rycor Construction, Inc., and let them make it stand out for you, Rycor Construction, standout players of the week. As always, Tino, you were first. Okay, so I'm going to cheat a little bit here. Um, and if you're, if you're going to get mad at me, just remember that my hot water tank is uh, dead. Okay. So I'm stressed. We and also, if you yell at me, I'm going to cry. Are you, okay? are you going to steal my pick? But you can do that no, if you I'm want. I'm not stealing to. your pick. Okay. I have a backup pick. if you do, but that's, that's, that's Patty's been letting us down the last couple of weeks as well. He's been uh, slacking on his judgment duties and not, uh, saying who, who's, who's got the better pick for the right course standout player. Anyways, we'll talk to Pat about that, but I'm sure he'll listen to it. Pat. Get off your ass and start making the call here. But who is your Rycor standout player? Here's where I'm cheating. Mm. It's because it's my Rycor standout players, oh. plural, of the week. Okay. And truth be told, 
I was going to go with Justin Getty because I am a huge fan of Justin Getty, just like we talked about. I thought he had a really strong game. And then I figured you're probably going to give me a really hard time for giving somebody, especially a goalie, the standout player uh, of the week. Well, especially when the other guy only allowed six in the same game. That's what I'm going for. Okay. I'm going to go with Landon Kells and Justin Getty because I legitimately thought this was an incredible goaltending matchup in a situation where, you know, like Justin Getty steps in, Doug Jamison's on the injury reserve. He hasn't had a starting role in a little while. He's only had some games here and there. Plays really well. Landon Kell is coming off of a performance that he has certainly been thinking about against Panther City since it happened. The entire team, including himself, I'm sure we're feeling embarrassed. We just got to witness just this unbelievable goaltending matchup between two young and up-and-coming goaltenders. Landon Kells with 46 saves. Justin Getty with 45. I thought it was just a great game from that standpoint. Appeasing to the goalie union will always score you points, I'm sure. And if you ask uh, Landon Kells, I'm sure he'll tell you that it's all coaching. And Curtis Wagar, who is Landon Kells' goalie coach. I'm just kidding. I'm sure Wags is listening to the But all coaching there for, for Wags and Landon Kells that made him turn the corner in that game. I like the pick, Tim. I'm not going to lie to you. I want to give an honorable mention to one Seth Oaks who put up a five spot for Georgia in that win over Vancouver and on five goals out of their 11. In a game that Vancouver really held Lyle and and Shane Jackson in check, but it was Seth Oaks who stood up in their kind of absence. And that was a huge game for him, but he's not getting my Rykor standout player. Honorable mention, Austin Stotts, who I just talked about um, in this quarter here, Tino. What a performance from him. Is there anyone more exciting to watch score goals in the National Lacrosse League than Audi? Like, nobody gets more excited when he scores. I know that. But just the fashion that he, the reckless abandon that he plays with when he goes to the cooker, man, it is is just electric. And then he's got the heat from the outside to go along with it. And I dare say the crowds in San Diego getting better and better And I think they're starting to catch on down there in SoCal on what kind of team they got playing out of Pachanga Arena. And first and foremost, the Electric Factory in Austin stops. Yeah, and and I hope those fans are taking notice because the environment looked unbelievable. They have uh, a second-place team in the standings. They got a team with with 100 goals for. They got some of the one of the lowest goals against here in the league as well with 78. So it's a well-oiled machine. And in terms of Austin Stotts, like – Maybe not in in maybe not a great comparison in terms of like pure goal scorer, but I would say like his celebrations after scoring a goal rivals Alex Ovechkin yes. with how he scores a goal and and it's like it's the first goal he's ever scored in the biggest game he's ever played in because every celebration is equally as exciting as the previous and as the next is and going. Fans to be. love that shit, Tino. Love Unbelievable. It. Yeah. Apparently, uh, Reigns Papa. Brett Michaels is going to be uh, playing a show at Pachanga for a Seals game coming up. Big fan now. Huge. All right. Monster quarter number one. We are 50 minutes deep, and we still have three quarters of action to go. We appreciate everybody tuned in here to Lax Class 273. We'll take a quick break. And on the other side, it's the forward for the Saskatchewan Rush. Mike Triolo joins us next. Stay classified. This is Will Malcolm, and you're listening to Lax Class. 
Welcome back to Lax Class. We're into the second quarter of action, which means our interview is upon us. And our interview is always brought to you by On Top Roofing. Honest roofing and honest prices. Quality workmanship is paramount to the success at On Top Roofing. That's why the attention to detail combined with a desire to exceed your expectations is what they're all about. Visit their website right now. Go to ontop-roofing.ca or give them a call 604-809-6990. I tell you, there is nothing worse than a leaky roof except maybe a leaky hot water tank, you know, but you do not <laughs> you do not want to just wait and hope things are going to get better. If your roof is starting to go, get ahead of this and get the folks at On Top Roofing to come to your place. They'll give you an honest estimate, and they're going to help you out. It is a costly, expensive job. There is no question about it, but you know you're going to get the honesty when it comes to On Top. They're not going to jack you around when you need to get your roof fixed. That's the bottom line. Don't delay. Visit On Top Roofing today. As we welcome to LaxCast for the very first time, Mike Triolo of the Saskatchewan Rush Tree. Appreciate you doing this, man. I was saying to Tino, like, I've I've watched you play a lot of lacrosse over the years with St. Albert and a little time in the WLA and around around the leagues, if you will. But, you know, it, it's great for me to, to see you kind of surplanted into a national lacrosse league. Gregor, you, you had a, a couple of cracks at it, and things didn't quite work out. But now you, you seem to have found a home in Saskatchewan, and you look comfortable there, man. I think is maybe the biggest thing is where I want to start. You look comfortable, you look like you belong, and you look confident. Am I on base with all that? Welcome to Lax yeah. Class. Yeah, I mean, well, just to start off, thanks for having me on. Pumped to be a part of this. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there was a lot of decisions going into this winter and a lot of discussions with the fam on what the right choice for me and continuing my career and stuff. And talking with uh, Jimmy, it's uh, very clear I made the perfect choice for where I am now. And I mean, at the start, a little in, in and out, but uh, for different reasons, but um, now it seems like I'm starting to hit my stride and at the right time with everybody else too. And along with us, we're hitting the right stride. So well, let, let's stick on that for a sec, Mike. Like I, yeah, obviously you had a big presence cup in Oakville and I think you put your name on the map there and, and probably had a, a handful of teams asking you if, if you wanted to come to camp, but it sounds like Saskatchewan kind of, laid out the the plan for you that you were going to have a spot there and be a, a big part of the team. And, and maybe that's where your decision played out. But, you know, you said for a handful of reasons, and, and I'm kind of curious to know, like we've all kind of deliberated and debated on what those reasons might've been internally, but I want to hear from you. Like what, what were coaches telling you why you weren't quite cracking their lineup on a consistent basis? Um, in the past, uh, it's like all the tools, but not in the right places type of thing. I've been, I've been the big guy who didn't have the, like the touch and, or I've been big D guy who didn't have the footwork. When I first cracked into the league, I was at the back door and didn't end up sticking around there. And I've always kind of, there was this old, uh, I think it was an interview way back that I heard, uh, right before my draft. And it was Jack of all traits, master of none. Mm. So I could do it all. I just couldn't do it all at the best at the best of their ability, um, because I especially when back in my uh, senior in Ontario days, I was back door, front door, face off, wherever they needed me, I'd play it, and I just wanted to play lacrosse. So that's what I got used to. I got used to being a utility knife, you know. So I think that I've definitely, like you said, and with a good peak up, it's kind of shown that I've focused on my offensive game quite a bit over the last few years, and um, it seems that 
teams are starting to, or can coaches start to notice that not the touch is there now, you know, it's like, you can stick around. You can do the, I did the crash and bang thing my whole life. I know how to do that. Now he knows how to score the goal too. Right. Which is pretty big. Uh, well, let's go back to the president's cup here a little bit, just a handful of months ago. Cause I was just like recapping some of the stats before he hopped on here and 40 points in eight games uh, is pretty, five games, uh, pretty, you know, that's quick math right there. That's uh, <laughs> yeah. Five again. There you go. Math guy. Hey, uh, it's pretty unbelievable numbers. And then obviously, as you talked about it, it resulted in, in a call from probably a handful of teams, but at the very least the rush, maybe just describe what that feeling is like for you after having, you know, a strong regular season and incredibly strong president's cup, really cutting your teeth at the, at the senior B level. And then all that hard work is, I mean, A, it's rewarded in terms of your own personal stats, but B, and probably more importantly, it's rewarded in terms of you getting a job here through the winter. Yeah, I mean, um, not having a job last winter, you start to realize just how important the, those things are and how much the journey is, but what your, what your goal is at the end of it. And my wife and I had lots of conversations about me getting back into the league and what kind of toll it would take and the sacrifices that you have to make. And I'm not the only one making sacrifices to get there. Like she's right there with me. It's along with my two-year-old son. Right. So, but it, it was a kind of, when I got the call from Sask, it was kind of all of it came together that it meant that everything I did leading up to it over the last year and a half, since I got, uh, since I didn't make it back into the league, the whole family felt it. I, I, my family comes to the home games in SAS. We drive five hours together because that's how much weight this kind of decision had. Wow. It really, it, yeah, and that's the thing. It gets, I, I don't take any of it for granted anymore, and I feel like early on in my career, I definitely did. Yeah, yeah, no, that's not surprising to hear, Mike. And let's let's spin it back. And well, maybe tell me this because you know you've mentioned your family a couple of times, Mike, and it's obviously you got brand new son and, and that's got to be an exciting time in your life you got yourself a wife and you mentioned you, you couldn't hop on until now because you were you were at work and didn't get off in time so you know let let the the listeners know here like where are you where are you live and uh, you're driving five hours to saskatchewan so i know you're five hours away but what do you do in in your time away from the sport as far as work goes and you know how long you've been married and, and the new baby tell me about life away from lacrosse a little bit about away, away from the cross is uh, so in my nine to five or seven to five or six to four or whatever you want to call it. It was <laughs> as we go is I'm a dispatch for a big moving company out here. Uh, we're all over Canada, but um, I was traveling around before my son was born doing a lot of project management stuff. And that's too much to be on the road. I was on the road half like more than I am for just the cross. Right. Yeah. So um, sounds like you got a dog too, Trey. Yeah. <laughs> someone's at our front door it's just bad timing i guess no 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 it's all good pets are a part of the program man um but yeah and like edmonton now i was born and raised in scarborough um and i moved out here for a summer to win a president's cup with the miners out here back in 2018 and i went back home afterwards and always wanted to come back i was lucky enough that i found a lovely lady who wanted to come with me and i think that we both made the right choice to start our family out here we actually got married in September, not that long ago. Oh, um, newlywed. And it's funny enough, I, I got the phone call after President's Cup, and I signed the contract the week of the wedding, and wow. it was kind of like a little wedding gift to myself. I told Jimmy that, and he said, he said well, congratulations, that's quite a wedding gift from the rush, too. I said, absolutely, it is. So, and the biggest gift of all is he got out of Scarborough. <laughs> oh, I don't know. <laughs> Come on. <Jumbo. laughs> I just kid. Oh, I love it. 
What a uh, what a run for you, hey, Prezi, and then a new contract, and then a big new wedding as well. A couple contracts, I guess, depending on how you look at it. You but, got any advice uh, for Tino here? Because he's about to. Yeah, get I'm getting married, married in August. Well, what what should I look forward to here? Well, my well, my wife will continue to say that I didn't do too much. So uh, do a little more than <laughs> do a little more than what I did is the best I can give you. So just keep keep offering the help for as long as you possibly can until I get tired of you. Yeah, I'll uh, <laughs> I'll let my lady know that. Um, let's let's. Uh, fast forward a little bit to this past weekend because i mean the big story obviously was your massive goal that turned out to be the the eventual game winner and i mean that's if if you don't have that picture you have to get it and blow it up because that's like poster material it's the promo pick for this week tina oh it's unreal what a what a pick but i mean obviously a massive goal in terms of a big win that you guys needed of course but for you personally did that have any extra weight considering it was against the the last team that you played for in the nll uh i'm calling it to a couple different people it was, this is i've had a couple games circled and this is a revenge game um not there's the organization they treated me well while i was there when someone says no to you you keep it like you keep it in your back pocket like you got like they say the term keep kept, keep the receipts and that one's been sitting on my desk since they let me go and at times i still say like if you're good enough then there's no excuses right but at the time i wasn't good enough now i'm good enough and i showed them tonight or on saturday night that i was good enough so that's it means a lot right so did you feel like that though when you were in Panther City that maybe that you didn't belong, Mike? But and and something in your game has changed, or maybe it's just a belief in your own in your own head. Like I don't know if the skill set changed completely or not, or whether it just got a little bit better. But you tell me. Um, honestly, there was parts of my game that are definitely better now. Uh, I think that there was opportunities in Panther City that I could have taken more advantage of. And um, again, I'm not going to knock the organization. I think that they gave me an opportunity to excel. And at times I did, at times I didn't. I think that same kind of deal here in, in Saskatchewan, they've given me an opportunity that and uh, that I'm able to take advantage of now because I think I have better tools than I did before. How did it begin for you? When did you pick up a stick? Oh, uh, I was 8, 9, 10 playing hockey. And then all the hockey guys played lacrosse in the summer. And that's just, my buddies were playing lacrosse in the summer. said, do you want to hit people in the summer too? Because baseball, <laughs> you don't hit anybody. So I tried. <laughs> that was pretty that much it for me too, man. Like I, my dad was a big baseball guy. He was a professional player and he really wanted me to play baseball. And yeah. man, as soon as I got the little taste of being able to hit somebody, that was it. Like I just said, dad, like this is not, I'm never playing baseball again. I can't do it. Yeah, absolutely. My dad was a big hockey guy and he wanted me to keep playing that. And once I hit 16, there was, some interest of going down to the state stuff for the cross. And I had to make a decision on what I was going to care about more. And that was the, I mean, you go down and you get a scholarship and stuff. It's yeah. Where easy. is that? But by the, where is, is it Pfeiffer? Is that how you yeah. say that? Where is that? <laughs> it was a small little D2 school, about an hour outside of Charlotte, North Carolina. So oh. we are way back in the sticks, 800 people on campus. It's smaller than my high school. How something, did you find something. your way there? So the coach at the time, who's now the head coach of Hopkins, was from upstate New York. He loved upstaters and he loved loved Canadians. So we, that summer, um, he reached out to a few people kind of around the north, like I guess northern New York area yeah. and Canadians. And we were, that's when you're in Ontario back then, there weren't a lot of traveling down south. You went to Rochester, New York to the turkey shoot. And that's the only place that you played if you were a Canadian in Ontario. Hmm. So that's where I got seen and just worked out. They signed and then that summer they like Bobby Hope came down to Pfeiffer with me there wow. too. So was, yeah, so we had, we had big boys joined the team that year. Yeah, exactly. So we've it's actually kind of funny that the random D two school in the middle of North Carolina had uh, two for uh, future pros on it. Unreal. 
Do you have any, do you like hold any bragging rights over your buddies from when you were younger that like, did any of them become pro athletes or are you the only one? Uh, I saw none, like my really like close group of guys, they were, they played all high level sports and things like that. I went to, uh, I was lucky enough, I went to a sports specific high school. So a lot of people I went to high school with ended up being professional athletes. Uh, I still say that the, so I wasn't the number two wide receiver on my team because I was six foot six and the number one is the fastest kid in Canada. He was Aaron Brown. He ran against Usain Bolt uh, in the Olympics. Wow. That was pretty good stuff. Yeah. Um, and then a couple other NHLers that went through school with me and stuff too. But, uh, but yeah, of my local group, I get to hold those. I'm a professional athlete bragging rights. Right yeah, now. boy. Speaking <laughs> of uh, running and, and feet and all that stuff, uh, the flippers kind of caught me off guard down there in Vegas, Mike. I got to ask you what the shoe size is because it looked like oh, it was you know, just on the very end of normal i'm 13 so i don't have to go too much okay. past that it's okay. okay they still stock those in a footlocker for me i'm yeah. lucky let's turn our attention here to vancouver man uh Big game coming up this weekend and and probably, again, a little revenge on the mind of Mike Trello and the Saskatchewan Rush as Vancouver got the better of you the first go around. And now you get to come here and, and like, Vancouver's become a pretty exciting place to, to come and play a lacrosse game. So I'm sure you're looking forward to it. But maybe talk about, you know, how important that win was coming over Panther City, getting your confidence back and, and coming into Vancouver and trying to keep that momentum going. I was saying in the room was we're nasty again. You know, that was the, that was the joke, right? So, and it's not even a joke, like the guys feel it. And that's a team that, I think the team was a great team across the floor that we were able to do the right things to come out on top. And even still, we had a lot of room to grow there. There's lots of opportunity for us to get better. And like you said, like there is some serious uh, revenge coming through our, through our pipeline towards Vancouver this week. And it's uh, a must, another must win. I mean, we're at the right, we're starting to click at the right time. And if we keep this kind of train rolling, there's no, like the league is everybody's beating everybody right now. Yeah. So there's no one standing out to make the playoffs or not. Anybody can, like, and we're one win out of eight, uh, tied for eighth, right? That's kind of what, what we're looking at. And we're, we only have one more bye week for the rest of the season. So we're hot for the rest of this, the rest and of the it, season. It like. probably helps uh, knowing that, you know, you're going to be shooting on Aaron Bold, the guy that you, you know, you've taken a lot of shots on over your uh, senior B career with him playing uh, with you and, and practice and all the rest of it and then playing against him at the President's Cup this year. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I met him first back in 2017 in Victoria. He was our goalie there and started the relationship friendship then and um, somehow ended up on the same team in, I don't know, Edmonton, Alberta. At the same, I don't even get it four years later, right? But uh, or actually the next year for the, for the President's Cup and then again three years later and yeah a lot of shots a lot of and he knows me just as well as i know him right. so it's kind of that that chess match that we play each other every time right so um sometimes he got like the end they did they got the win so he gets the better of me on that one but like uh, i think i'm gonna try and take him down this time around uh last one for me here mike like it, it was pretty well documented uh after the performance earlier this season and then heading into last week's game that Derek keenan was going to be coming back down mm -hmm. onto the bench and and you know, assuming a previous role that he's had, did you notice, like, was there a noticeable difference on the bench having him kind of hovering over you guys? Or like, was there a different kind of mood in the room with, with having him a little bit closer to all the guys? I mean, he is still, he's a player's GM and I'm sure a lot of guys have thought that too. Like he's in the room with the guys even before he took over this spot. I, and again, Jimmy was an amazing head coach in the middle of the bench too. And I think that they're both are able to, feed off each other but also give each other the space to excel in the like now jimmy had more at the front door and Derek in the middle but yeah, like they went on their run last game and you turned around and jammer's unfazed stone face he knows that this team can do it and let he let jimmy handle the front end and 
Jeremy handle the back end and and he had his like again he has his odd thing to say or come in and but when he says it, it you know it's from years and years of experience so you want to listen to everything he has right yeah it's, well it's that's the thing feeling. when you when you're talking to Derek and it's game mode jammers one kind of guy but when you're after the game and he's got a glass of wine in his hand like he is a funny funny laid back guy like oh, yeah, and sure. i think people just see this the steely stare and and they think man like you don't want to cross this guy and you probably don't but he is he's not the the guy that everybody thinks that he is when you just see him from afar absolutely and honestly the guys i think i said it after in our post game radio show it was first time i ever been on that one that was quite an experience mm. but it was he I want to pick his brain from all the stuff he's got sitting up there, but I think I'm a little too new, but I think after the game winner, maybe I can get a couple minutes with yeah. him now. So Just, uh, yeah. give him a nice <laughs> bottle of red and sit down and uh, he'll, he'll chew your ear right off. I, guarantee. I hope so. I hope so. I'll use that one this year then for sure. Mike, uh, this is fantastic, man. Great job here on Lax class. Keep it rolling with those Saskatchewan rush. It looks good on you. And uh, we appreciate your time here, man. We'll see you in Vancouver in a few days. Yeah, thanks a lot for the for the time and the invite on. Honestly, it felt uh, it felt great to be here. Thanks. A lot, yeah, guys. appreciate it. There he is, uh, Presidents Cup champion, multi Prezi champ is Mike Triello, and now trying to become an NLL champ. And sometimes it's it's funny how it works. Eh? You know, with a guy like that who had a couple of kicks at it, didn't work out in one place or another for another reason, but finds the right landing spot in Saskatchewan, and the light switch kind of goes off and. Now, like, this guy looking like a bonafide. The talent's always been there with him, and now he just seems like he's kind of figured it out. Sometimes that's all it takes. It just takes the right environment and the right opportunity, and it sounds like, you know, on his own end, he did a lot of maturing over those those years. Yeah, really introspective, eh? Like, he really seemed to kind of, like, be real with himself about a lot of things, and and his family was a big part of that discussion as well. Like, do I really want to keep trying to do this? Do I want to live my dream? And came to some real realizations that maybe what he was doing wasn't quite what he needed to be doing, started doing those things and the good fortunes followed. And shout out to uh, Mike Triolo for the wedding advice. I will, uh, I took some notes and I will put those into effect come August. Not going to hold it against the Scarborough. <laughs> Sean Williams, the other, uh, he calls it the real borough. Never mind uh, Peterborough and the other borough. Scarborough, he calls uh, the real borough. Tino. Never been to Scarborough. Not sure I ever want to go to Scarborough, but uh, well, for... there's only one Maple Ridge. Just remember that. <laughs> thank, <laughs> thank goodness for that. All right. Uh, quarter two now complete. That means it's halftime, Tino, and we're off to quarter three for our Lax Class Lock of the Week. We need a winner, and we need it bad. Can we deliver? Find out next when we return. Stay classified. Associated Labels and Packaging, a fun family company that offers premium quality labels and packaging with unparalleled service. With 40 years of experience, an extensive product catalog, and an ever-growing fleet of equipment, Associated Labels and Packaging is the perfect fit to take your labels and packaging to the next level. Hey, this is Dave Buchanan, sideline reporter for the Buffalo Bandits, and you're listening to Lax Class. Welcome back to Lax Class. Halftime is over. We are into the third quarter, which is brought to you by Associated Labels and Packaging. Associated LP. The LP stands for Labels and Packages. .com is where you find them. They focus on people. They focus on ethics. And they focus on quality. And, of course, they are family-owned. 
Shout out to uh, young Ashworth, who was crowned U19 BC champs uh, with his Adnax over the weekend. Uh, good to see there. And I know the Ashworths are some kind of excited about uh, it being Super Bowl week as well as uh, big Niners fans over there in the Ashworth house. We won't hold that against them because they do sponsor the podcast here. If you need a label and you need a package, go to Associated Labels and Packaging today and they will hook you up take my word for it on that quarter number three also the time to politely ask you to subscribe to the podcast review the podcast if you have not done those two things already if you have thank you if you have not please do not delay just hit that five-star review jot down a couple of words and then follow the podcast on instagram at lacrosse classified follow the podcast on the x at lax class and you can find us in those bios as well. Our social media handles are in our bios. So give us a follow as well. We thank you for doing all that. And with all that being said, you know, it's time for our Lax Class Lock of the Week. Lock of the Week. Hey, let's lock and load it. Yeah! I am going to be a very rich dude. It's a big luck, all right. Here we go, Santino. Lax Class Lock of the Week brought to you by Cool Bet Canada, who uh, are also supplying the prize packs for who you got. But here for Lax Class Lock of the Week, I need to tell you, sign up to Cool Bet today, coolbet.com. First-time depositors will receive an equal money bonus up to $200 just by using the bonus code LAXCLASS. So sign up for your account. Before you make your first time deposit, put in the bonus code LAXCLASS and then CoolBet will match you up to 200 bucks. Get free money from CoolBet and then start your gambling journey. This might be the most cowardly parlay we have ever done here on Lacrosse Class. Not an uncommon thing for those cowards over there on OTCB who always... Not only do they pick some softies over there to try and get wins, but they also... Leave it up to the listeners each week, Tino. So they take no responsibility in whether they start a podcast. I might. I might. Why not? (laughs) I'm feeling frisky. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, I'm I'm going absolutely coward central right here, which is never a guarantee either. But I'm trying to get the classmates a win here, and a win is a win at this point. We need a win. So simply taking the three biggest favorites of the week, which is Halifax at a minus 238, which is Toronto at a minus 208, and which is San Diego at a minus 200, which gets you a whopping odds of, after a little cool bit help out there, we'll get up to about 230, 240, I'm sure. So you're coming back in here under, under well under 100 bucks, But when you're taking the favorites like this, this is this is about as close to a guarantee of a win you're going to get here. Too. Cowardly parlay this week. Three favorites, heavy ones at that. We need a win. That, that, that's all it is. Just need one to get the uh, to get the ball rolling a little bit, and then we'll start swinging for the fences afterwards. Stay cool. Bet responsibly. Good luck, everybody. We will talk to you uh, next week here in quarter three. Of hopefully, as uh, Tino has had to make a new sound drop for a, a winning week. In the cool bet lax class lock of the week. One more quarter to go here on the big show. It's quarter number four. It's time for who you got. 
Hey, this is Ben McIntosh. You're listening to Lax Class, your go-to source for all things NLL and box lacrosse. Now it's time for another roundup. Who you got? Back on the podcast, quarter four. No more breaks here on the show. Thanks for tuning in. Jake Elliott, San Tino Farrow with you. Here in the fourth quarter, which uh, is obviously brought to you by Cool Bet with who you got coming up right around the corner here, Tino. And uh, before we get to that, let's uh, announce our winner from last week, who is Riley Ash out of Nepean. Big lacrosse fan back there in Ottawa area is, is Riley Ash. And I think he's actually got a couple of handles on the go here. But the one game that he said he got wrong was the one game that he actually got to go to this week in Albany. The rest was perfect. He stands alone at the top of week number 10. Prize pack is on its way, Riley. Congratulations. Overall standings, Santino. Looky here. Brad Challoner has taken over the number one spot, moving up one place. He's tied technically with Ryan Schemenauer. But Challoner is uh, at the top of the table here, Tino, after 10 weeks of action in the National Lacrosse League. So we're just about at the halfway point. I suppose we are at the halfway point as uh, 21 weeks, if I'm not mistaken here. So Challoner, can he hang on is the question. I don't know. We will find out. Uh, what I also know here, Santino, is uh, I did better than you once again. In week number 10, by a couple of points, and man, if I didn't give myself the old double reverse B.A. Baracus psychology treatment last week, I think I would have done pretty well. But I second-guessed myself a couple of times, and uh, finishing just inside the top 100, I'll scroll down a little bit, Tino, you know, I don't know where you are, you're down, you're down the list, that's all I know. And uh, overall standings, I've taken a a little bit of a lead in that department as well. Not to sit here and honk my own horn, but uh, point being, I'm hosting. We're moving into week 11 here. It's time for Who You Got. It's time once again to play your favorite podcast game. Who you got? 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 You just heard it. Uh, Riley is now into the where. <laughs> Tell me that is not getting good with eleven different who you gots in there now. I love it. I hope other people do as well. I can't wait till it's like up 15, 16. It's going to be amazing. Uh, Riley's in there. You are not in there. I am not. Well, I am in there, but that's just because I made the sound wrong. But I haven't won a week in a long, long time. Maybe this will be the week to do it. It begins on Friday, Santino, in Halifax. Early start. I love it. 3.30 Pacific time. Actually, is that even earlier? That might be 2.30. Oh, no, that's Eastern time. 3.30. My bad. Uh, Vegas at Halifax. This I don't know. This game became a lot more interesting all of a sudden with that win in Albany from the Desert Dogs. Dogs, birds, who you got? Yeah, this, I mean, like I said last week when it was Halifax, Philly, maybe it's just games with Halifax that make me nervous because this game does make me a little bit nervous. However, Halifax being the home team, that is an electric atmosphere. That is why I'm giving the edge to the Thunderbirds. Give me Halifax for a nine. 
I whoa. Yeah. I feel like me picking against the Desert Dogs has a positive effect. So I'm going to continue that trend, sacrifice my well-being in the standings, and pick against them for their benefit only, Tino, and nobody else's. Give me Halifax for a four. Another intriguing matchup on Friday. Colorado now three and five. Panther City now three and four. Seems like a long time since Panther City's played a home game. Mammoth and Lacrosse Club. Who you got? It's it's a little bit too bad that this game actually isn't in Colorado because if you go back to last year, this this was a pretty fiery matchup. Oh, Caputo and, uh, and yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, like in in front of a loud house, a full loud house. Uh, that's a, that's an awesome an mm. awesome atmosphere. Excuse me, but regardless, I'm sure this is still going to be two fiery teams. I am going to give it though to Panther City coming off a game that they were they were real close against Hal or excuse me against Sask. I think they're going to come up firing, and this is going to be my five game. Okay, I'm not going to lose any ground to you for this game because I'm also taking Panther City for a five, and I don't really have a whole lot of rationale behind why I'm taking Panther City in this game. I think either team could fully capable of winning this game or losing this game. I don't know who it's going to be. So whenever I come across this situation, I just go with the home team, which I'm doing here, taking Panther City. We move to Saturday. So two on Friday, four on Saturday. It begins in Rochester, Blue Cross Arena, Georgia coming off an overtime win, Rochester coming off a one-goal loss, five and four Swarm, three and four K-Hawks. Tina, who you got? This is the game this week that I might flip back and forth probably three or four times before the actual face-off gets underway. For now, though, I think Georgia has something to run with here, getting a win, a much-needed win, an overtime win, something they can certainly build off of. So currently, I'm going to go with the Swarm, and it'll be for a six. Swarm you're taking. I'm taking the Nighthawks. I'm taking them for a six. I think this is a bounce-back game here for Rochester on their home floor. I think Georgia might have got a little lucky on the weekend. I, a win's a win, but Rochester finds a way. This is kind of a season-defining game for them, and I like the Nighthawks in this situation at home. To get it done over the Swarm for a six, rematch of the home-and-home home here, Calgary now going to Hamilton. Two and five Roughnecks, six and one Toronto. Tino, who you got? Pull out your phone. Expect the text message from Jamie. Are you taking Calgary here? I am taking Calgary here for no other reason that I think we are about to see a pissed off Roughnecks team. And uh, yeah, I think they're going to get their season back on track here. Sorry, Toronto fans. This is my four pick. Okay, Jamie, I'm not super uh, confident. Okay, <laughs> relax. <laughs> I think if it was any other team, I might lean towards the Calgary Roughnecks here. But I just think Toronto is is one of the best, if not the best team in, in the league, Tino. And at home, and they've already planted the seed of doubt here. Now Calgary's got to go travel, and this is a home game for Toronto. I like the Rock in this spot to keep it rolling. Hear that, Dalek? Not only am I taking the Rock, but I am taking Toronto for a nine. Whoa, nine. That's how you do it right there, young Farah. <laughs> now, 7.30 Pacific, or Eastern time, 4.30 Pacific. This game just got a whole lot more interest. San Diego has had quite the schedule here, have they not? 
couple of long trips on the road. Then they get the home game. Now they're back out on the road, back to New York, back east. Like, they're getting some miles. Here are the San Diego Seals going to New York, which one of the hottest teams in the league, but so are San Diego. Real interesting game right here. Seals, 6-2. and two. Riptide, 4-4. Four and four. Who you got? I'm taking the Seals here. I talked last week about how this seems like the most business, business-like I've ever seen San Diego. Uh, I can't believe that I'm super excited for a San Diego versus New York matchup, but God damn, am I ever excited to watch this game and we'll see, we'll see what New York looks like up against another one of the top teams, but they, they've, they've strung together a handful of wins here, some good play in the last handful of weeks. So give me the seals. Give me an eight. Yeah, I bet I just flipped around my confidence numbers a little bit after kind of digesting the entire schedule here, Tino. And uh, I've moved this to my five game and I switched my Halifax Vegas. Anyways, I can't believe I'm saying this. After all the praise I just gave the seals and I, all right, New York, listen, there's been times here on this podcast where I have been very critical of the Riptide and the way they've performed and what's going on in New York. But now they've started to reel me in and made me a bit of a believer here. So listen, Riptide, I'm on your side in this game and I'm going to pick you in this situation, but do not let me down. Otherwise, I cannot promise what is going to happen for the rest of the season here. That's bad news for the Riptide. Uh, whenever Jake Elliott hops on your bandwagon, that's that usually means it's the end of your run. Last Riptide for a five. Ride the tide. Let's do it. Break out the sea foams against the Seals, please. Last game. I'll be there. Rogers Arena. Can't wait. Saturday night. I know it's not rib night, but hopefully something good on the menu there at Rogers Arena. Rush, two and four. Warriors, two and six. Pretty much must win here for either team. Tino, who you got? I will also be in attendance. Oh! I will, however, be crushing the party zone okay. on Superhero Night. We're going to be watching. So, uh, what are we watching? Keep your eyes peeled there for the party zone because you might see some of those dance moves All you've right. been uh, you've been dying to see. <laughs> okay. And with me making my party zone debut... I will also be taking the Warriors. Oh. I'm switching around my confidence numbers, too. This is my nine pick, oh. baby. Wow. Wow. Okay. Well, similar <laughs> to I think the last time that I picked against Vegas and Vancouver in the same weekend, they both got the victory. It cost me a little bit in, in the who he got standings. But, again, a sacrifice I am willing to make for the greater good. So I will take Saskatchewan here, but I've dropped it down to a four. My least confident game here. Rush for a four over the ward. Don't forget to put in your tiebreaker, especially if you're one of those people that have their automated picks on. You still have to put in your tiebreaker, so make sure you do that. And uh, then hit that save and apply button. Again, if you're new to the podcast, it's not too late to sign up for who you got. Go to Office Pool Junkies, search up Lax Class Who You Got with two T's. And uh, you can get into our confidence pool and win weekly prizes. You're out of it for the overall grand prize, no question about it, at the midway mark of the season here. But you can still win weekly prizes. 
uh, by being a weekly winner, just as Riley Ash was this past week. So good luck to everybody. You can find that link on our social channels as well if you want to get in on the fun. I Every week I kind of peruse, you know, I'll pick out, you know, how did Danny do and how did a couple of my buddies do. And I always find a new name that I'm like, oh, I didn't know that guy was... Uh, was playing who he got, but uh, lots of people are in on it and, and having fun. We hope you do as well. That'll wrap up another big episode here. Tina will be back next week. Every week. EP 274 is next as we work our way to three hundo. I want to thank Mike Triolo for stopping by the podcast. I want to thank our fabulous sponsors as well. Associated Labels and Packaging, Rycor Construction, On Top Roofing, Coolbeck Canada, and Loading Lacrosse for their support here on the podcast. Support these people. That's how you keep this podcast going. And to you, the classmates, thank you so much for listening each and every week. We can't wait to be back with you next week. But for now, we got to go. For Santino Fair, I've been Jake Elliott for the fastest game on two feet. And for the creator, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay classified.